uh, it's probably, I don't know, maybe it was three or four months ago, I uh, happened to be here at the office, and I typically stay fairly well hydrated. I, you know, I'm kind of a grazing eater, and I'm an all-day drinker of something, okay? Usually, it's around here, it's just lots of water, okay? The occasional coffee, but lots of water. Had one day in particular um, that I was really thirsty, didn't have any more water with me, and so I wandered into this, this little fridge that's in the office, and there's, there's always, well, almost always, some, some water, and sometimes there's, there's pop, and I don't drink pop, so it's like if, it, you know, hopefully there's, there's water, and I walked in, and I looked inside this little fridge, opened up, and I'm just telling you, I, I did not know this was in there on that day until I walked in. But I walked in, and on that day, I did not have to settle for water. There was LaCroix. In that, any LaCroix fans in the room? Put your hands up. Any LaCroix fans? What's wrong with the rest of you? Do the rest of you consume any hydration? Let's take another poll. Let's be honest. Any LaCroix fans in the room? Let's, let's do it the other way. Any LaCroix haters in the room? <laughs> Pastor Riley, we're going to be planting a new church next week, all right? <laughs> we're not telling them where we're going, but we're, okay? I love... I'm, I'm going to have trouble. I'm going to have trouble. I, I mean, I'm, I love this stuff. I, I love it. I don't love every flavor, but I love it. And when I went to that fridge and I looked in and there was LaCroix, it wasn't actually this flavor in the day. This is just what happened to be in my house this morning. I, I, I just, I was so thrilled because there was something in that fridge that was more than I expected that I didn't really expect to be there. It was there and it was available to me. And I was just so, I was so excited by it that it was there. And I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, I, I enjoyed it. And I'm not going to tell you how fast I enjoyed it, but it was fast, okay? It was, it was fast. Sh- show me again just the LaCroix fans in the room. Who, who were the LaCroix fans? Here's the thing, like, I, I'm convinced. Listen, listen, I'm convinced. If, if we could just kind of look at our lives and like a refrigerator for a moment, I think there is something in us that we're not really actually sure is there. And, when, and sometimes when we're sure it's there, we're not really sure it's for us. It's, it's, it's like the thing that's in the fridge that we're not really sure, like, oh, man, it's almost Easter. Is that for Easter, or can I eat that now? Right, or do I have to leave? Is that not touchable? Is that actually for somebody else? Is that, is that for the guest? Is that for the other people? And this, this, this gift that's, that's in kind of the refrigerator of our life, here, here's the reality. It's, it, it's designed and it's given to us as a gift for for a very, very clear purpose. It's to help us live this life with Jesus. It's to help us see, understand, experience Jesus and follow him. If, if you're in the room right now and you're a follower of Jesus, I'm just going to be very honest with you and tell you that the next four weeks have a little bit, a very, very small little bit to do with your head and your brain. And they have almost everything to do with what we can experience and live. 
If you're here today and you're in the room and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're considering it. Maybe you were here last week on Easter and you even marked that, that you're considering and you're asking questions. It's, it's a great few weeks to be here because you'll get to just kind of listen in on, on how we, we find the strength and the wherewithal to, to follow Jesus. And the good news is it it's, doesn't really depend on us. The good news is, is you were never designed to follow Jesus in your own strength or in your own ability. He, he's given us, like, there, there's a drink in the fridge that he's given us that is ours for the taking and the experience and, and the receiving. And for the next few weeks, we're just going to consider that. And so here's, here's how we're going to, here's how we're going to just begin this journey is, we're going to look at a, a few parts of one lengthy conversation Jesus is having with his disciples when he is introducing this, this gift that he will actually describe as the helper to us. And we're just going to listen in on Jesus as he explains this, this the very beginnings of this helper to his disciples. And then we'll just ask the question, yeah, but what does that actually mean for us and, and who, is this, who is this helper? Uh, if you've got a, a Bible and you want it turn, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. Uh, we're going to actually look at a couple verses from John 14 and a couple from 15, a couple from 16. So we'll be all kind of right there in a little sequence of pages. If you've got a Blue Worship Center Bible, we're going to start on page 752 if that's helpful for you. If you're flipping at a different Bible or you're going to scroll on your phone or whatever, that's great. Just go ahead and, and get there. And we're going to listen in. And we're just going to walk together. We're going to give ourselves the best chance possible to learn some things, but more than learn some things, to ask ourselves the question, would we really want to experience this gift that Jesus gives us? So before we read this, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, we're just going to pray again for a minute, and um, here's what I want to invite you to do. Uh, I want to invite you, if you're comfortable, to just in your seat, just kind of open your hands in front of you and let that guide the posture of your heart. And I, I want to just invite you in a moment of, of prayer to just, to just ask yourself, will I be open to everything Jesus would offer me in the next few weeks? Would I put myself in a place where I will be open to everything Jesus offers me? Am I willing in the next few weeks to see Jesus as more a neat addition to my life, but as the center of my life who gives me a gift to help me live with him. Jesus, we, um, we want to be people who would do that. Uh, we want to be people who trust you enough, yes, for our salvation and for our forgiveness, but also for everything you have for us right now, to entrust our right now, our breathing and living right now. And Jesus, would you help us do more than learn some facts? But would you help us just be a group of people who together kind of lay our lives in front of you and, and literally experience all you give us, all you, all you have for us? So that we might find some strength when life is really hard. We might find some wisdom when it's really good. We literally, Jesus, just make ourselves available to you. 
We pray these things because you make a way for us to even pray them to begin with. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's just listen in on the words of Jesus. We're going to start in John 14, uh, verses 15 through 17. These will be on the screen for you too. If you didn't scroll in the Bible or something like that, that's, that's totally fine. Here's what it says. In the middle of a conversation, Jesus prepping his disciples for his death, resurrection, but then really for his leaving, for his going back to heaven. He says, if you love me, the natural thing you're going to do is keep my commands. You're not going to keep my commands to try and earn my love. You're just going to do it because you already love me. And I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another advocate or helper to help you and be with you forever. Verse 17, that helper is going to be the spirit of truth. Here it is, Jesus saying, I'm going to give you To help you follow me, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the person of the Holy Spirit. Just like the Father has sent me to this earth, when I leave this earth, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit so that you can live this life with me in every moment. Now, the world, though people or people who won't accept me, they, they can't accept him because they don't see him and they don't know him. But you know him, for he lives with you. And check this out. You got to hear this. And will be in you. Will be in you. Let me, let me just make this real clear for us here for just a second. Jesus just told followers of him that the spirit of the living God is not far off, but literally lives in them. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, the spirit of God himself lives in you. That's that's not me, that's Jesus. Lives in you. You say, well, yeah, but okay, so, so, so what? What does that mean? Flip ahead to John chapter 15, just for some of you, it's just one page over, or maybe you got to scroll one, one chapter. Verse 26, he says this, when the advocate or the helper comes, whom I'm going to send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, the, the spirit of all this understanding, who goes out from the Father, he, he's going to tell you, the spirit's going to testify about me. He's going to help you understand me. And then you also must testify. The very natural thing is that you're going to talk about me too. For you've been with me from the beginning. Now remember, catch this. Jesus is talking to a group of people who have heard everything he's taught and seen everything he's done and are getting ready to have one of their most epic failures. They've got a boatload of knowledge and not much understanding. And what Jesus is saying is we're getting ready to remedy that. We're getting ready to remedy that. I'm going to give you this, my spirit, and my spirit's going to tell you about who I really am and what I've really been up to and who you really are in me. It's going to help you see a much bigger kingdom that, 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 that's at play. Chapter 16, maybe just down the page a little bit, starting in verse 7, which I know is the middle of a paragraph, but, but, he, but here's what it says. He says, very truly, which is, which is the way in the first century of kind of getting the attention, very truly. It's like, hey, 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 I tell you. It's for your good that I'm going away, which has always been one of the most astounding statements of Jesus, right? I've done miracles. You've watched me raise people from the dead, but I just want you to know it's good that I'm getting out of here. Wait, what? I mean, Jesus, nobody teaches like you. Nobody does miracles like you, and yet you say it's going to go away? Unless I go away, Jesus says, unless I go away, the advocate or the helper, well, he's not going to come to you. 
But if I go, then I can send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove to the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and and judgment about sin because people don't believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Here's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to send you a spirit, and my Holy Spirit is going to come, and he is going to bring compassion-filled conviction to people's lives. He's going to help the world see there's more going on than meets the eye. He's going to help the world see the depth and intensity of my love for them. He's going to help you see the same. Verse 12, I've got much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, all living understanding. He's not going to speak on his own. He's only going to speak what he hears, and he'll tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. That's Jesus saying it. He's going to glorify me. Because it's from me that he, that he will receive what he will make known to you. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Here's Jesus saying, look, I got to go. I know you think it's good if you can hold me here in physical proximity. But I'm going to go because as long as I'm on the earth, this is the only place I am. Wherever I happen to be standing in the moment is where I am. But if I can go and my spirit can come, my spirit can live in you. Remember that phrase, the first phrase? My spirit can live in you. So if I go and my spirit comes, I, Jesus, actually get to live everywhere that my followers are. If Jesus is still on the earth, I mean, maybe he's in Israel right now somewhere. Maybe he's wandering around, right? Maybe it's an evening campfire in the middle of Jerusalem. But he's not, which allowed him to send his spirit, which means that he's actually in the room with us right now. Take your pick. Which one do you want? He's actually actually in, 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 in you. Now, listen, I, I know, like, it's like, oh, like, the, the Holy Spirit, like, this, this person of God, this person that's part of this trinity of, of God, what do I do with that? And that's kind of weird, and sometimes we've made it scary and, and kind of spooky, and for a long time, we called him the Holy Ghost, and I'm not even sure what that means, because he's a spirit, not a ghost, and it's like, it's not Halloween, it's all the time, and so, it's like, what do we do with that? Like, why is this good? Like, who in the world is this helper? If Jesus is saying, I'm sending you a helper, who is that helper? Who is the helper? Look, the whole story of God in the scriptures paints pictures for us, and we find conversations like this, and and we find literal expressions of of the Spirit. But today, we're we're barely just going to kind of open the top a little bit and see who is this Spirit. Why Is the Spirit helpful to us? Why is the person of the Holy Spirit helpful to you and me as we want to follow Jesus and experience everything he has for us? So we're going to look at a couple of of different verses. You don't have to try and turn to all of them, but if you want to write them down or something, look back at them later. That's great. Here's the first one, 1 John 4, 4. So way later in the New Testament of the Bible, uh, it's a a letter that's written really all about God being love, okay? And here's part of, of what this guy John wrote. He said, you dear children, you followers of Jesus, children of God our Father, you're from God and you've overcome them, these, these spirits of, of our nature and, and the spirits of evil, you've overcome them because the one who is in you, who do we already know the one in us is? It's the Spirit of God, right? The Holy Spirit is in us. And then check this out. The one who is in you, the Spirit who is in you is greater 
than the one who is in the world. So let's just talk about it for a second. What we just got a window into is that the Spirit of God lives in us when we begin to follow Jesus. And now what we're getting is that that same Spirit of God that lives in us is greater. You could use the word stronger, same Greek translation, stronger than anything you encounter in your life. The Spirit of God is greater than anything you encounter in your life. The thing that that you're afraid of, the thing that that makes you anxious, the thing that you're unsure of how it works out, the the thing that seems debilitating, the, the fracture inside of a relationship, the brokenness from a great loss, The good news is, Jesus, look, I'm going to give you a helper that's greater than any other thing you're going to come up against. Which here's what I, there's two parts I love about that. One, I love the honesty of it. It, It's because it assumes, right, that you're going to come up on hard things. I just love the honesty of that. It, it, It doesn't say the spirit of God in you will make your life perfect and easy, seamless, no flaws, It actually is like very, no, there's going to be trouble. That's why you actually need a helper. If it was easy, we didn't need a helper. But that same spirit that is a helper, he's greater than anything you're going to come up against. So here's one way you could just play it out. Just a little bit of fill in the blank. You fill in the blank, which simply means this. The spirit in you, the Holy Spirit in you is greater than what? You fill in the blank. What's the thing that you fear most? What's the thing right now that feels insurmountable, overwhelming? What's the thing that seems most broken, most beyond repair? What's the thing that no matter how hard you try, you just don't seem to be able to turn the corner on? What's the sin that just keeps showing up. What's the thing that you're not wrestling with it right now, it's not part of your life right now, but you find yourself dreading the potential that it ever might be? If I ever had that, if I ever had that kind of hard time or if I ever experienced that or if I ever got that or if this ever happened, I just don't know what I would do. I just don't know how I would make it. I just don't know. What's that thing? Maybe that's what's in the blank. Maybe your life is great right now, but it feels as fragile as the thing you fear most might happen. The Spirit of God in us, the Holy Spirit, is greater than whatever that fill-in-the-blank is. The Holy Spirit of God is greater than whatever you think disqualifies you, makes you unworthy, unlovable. The Spirit of God is greater than that. And here's the thing. It's not the Spirit of God It's the Spirit of God living in you, living in me. It's greater than that.
I, I like it this way. This is one of the first verses I ever memorized in, in the whole Bible, and I, I didn't really try to do it. I just kept coming back to it. It's written by a guy named Paul, and it's written to a, kind of one of his mentees named Timothy. It's in 2 Timothy, a second letter to him, and he, he says this, for the Spirit of God, there's the Holy Spirit again. Hey, Timothy, for the Spirit of God, he, he doesn't give us a spirit that's, that's timid or fearful. God fully acknowledges that in the world in which we live, fear is something we are going to face. But God didn't give us that fear. He didn't give us a spirit that's fearful. But he gives us power and love and, and, and self-discipline or a sound mind. He gives us power or ability. He, he gives us love and the ability to love. He gives us self-discipline or the ability to think and see clearly. He gives us that spirit, which means this. That whatever makes us timid and whatever would define us as timid, whatever, listen, that doesn't have to define us. In, in, In fact, God's pleading with us to not let it define us. Our... Our fear, our uncertainty, our anxiety, our discouragement, our confusion, it doesn't have to define us. We can acknowledge that it's completely real. But it doesn't have to be boss. Because God gives us a spirit of power and strength and ability and a spirit of of love so that we could live loved and live loving and sound mind the ability to, to see clearly. What, what's the thing that, that sometimes makes you a little timid, that, that makes you a little afraid, that stirs the, the, the most anxiety or un, uncertainty? In the compassion of Jesus, he says, it's better if I go back to heaven so I could send you my spirit that would be with you in all of that. Just have a moment of honesty. Just honesty, just just with you, okay? Just you and Jesus for a minute. How how many of us, no matter how things look externally, how many of us wouldn't love to live with a little more power and strength and ability and a little more settledness And the fact that we are loved and can love and a little more clarity in our thinking. How, how, how many, look, look I don't, me, me, I, I'll put up all my limbs. Me. Right? See, here, here. Um, th- this, is, this is why I said earlier, and this is, this is why I, I Part of why I prayed this. Um, because we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the person of God who is the Holy Spirit, that is mere head knowledge is not enough. I, I don't want to burst any bubbles, but that is mere head knowledge is not enough. We, we, we want to create some space so that we can literally experience that. And the only way we experience that is through this person of the Holy Spirit, the living Holy Spirit. 
He says, I want want to be that in you. If I'm alive and well in you, I want to be that in you. I don't want you just to know that. I want you to have a living experience with that. And let's be clear, part of the reason the idea of the person of the Holy Spirit scares us is because we like things we can logically figure out. Dear God, we live in West Michigan, right? We're some of the most linear people in the whole world, right? Me too. I I love it when it all adds up. He says, no, I want want you to know this in a living way. Let's Let's look at one more. Let's just pull the cover back a little bit more on this person of the Holy Spirit who's available to us. In Galatians chapter 5, same guy Paul writing to a different group of people who are trying to follow Jesus. And this is in a version of the Bible called the Amplified Bible. It just picks apart and expands some words for us a little bit. It says this, now the practices of the sinful nature, he's going to contrast what it's like to live without Jesus and what it's like to live with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. Now the practices of the sinful nature, they're clear. They're just obvious. Uh, There's sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, complete lack of self-control. He keeps just adding to the list. Idolatry, where we make anything else the center of our life, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. Then he kind of makes one kind of sobering statement. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things, listen, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's just leave it there for a second because here's what we get a little bit nervous about. Like, oh, if I did something in that list, I'd just lose my fire insurance? Because I follow Jesus for some fire insurance, right? I get it. I get it. Bible even acknowledges that we come to, come to faith in Jesus initially for the salvation of our soul. We want to be right. I, we, I get it, right? But what Paul's really writing about is something so much bigger, so much better. Heaven, yes, but he's like, Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God on the earth. Jesus came to bring heaven on the earth. Jesus came so that we could experience his qualities and his way of living on this earth and that then we could live in a way that is contagious with that. So we're... It, it, forget, just for a moment, just forget about heaven out there somewhere and think about what Paul says. He's like, ah. Like the reason that, that God invites us not to live that way that we just listed is because what he really wants you to live and experience is this, this heaven on the earth. This depth of inner satisfaction of the Holy Spirit living in us. And then he says, so let me contrast it. Let let me play it out. Let me tell you what that would look like. And this is what he says. He goes on to just play the complete contrast. But the fruit, the natural result of the Spirit, the result of, here it is again, his presence within us, not his presence from afar, but his presence within us, right, is love, unselfish concern for others. Don't you kind of hate that they expanded the definition? Because it's cool when we just think about love as warm and fuzzy things, but when we actually understand, oh yeah, it's actually unselfish concern for others, well, that just kind of sucks, okay? <laughs> but it's true, right? Do we really want to live that way, right? Joy, inner peace, <laughs> get ready for this one, patience, which is not really the ability to wait, it's, check this out, I love it. Patience. 
But it's how we act while we're waiting. And listen, just, just a little context here, a little broader context. That has very, Paul, Paul's, I mean, yeah, we're talking about some daily things like waiting in line and waiting at a red light and waiting for M37. I mean, it's all those kind of things, right? But it's actually so much more than that. Hebrews, a little later in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, talks about that, that actually we experience the promises of God in our life when we live with this combination of faith and patience. Faith and patience. There are some things that are instant with God, like our salvation when we call on him, like his rescue and his forgiveness. There are other things that seem to just express themselves over the course of time. And there's faith and patience, and patience is part of how we act while we're waiting, not just on other people, but while we're waiting on God himself. Can I tell you what makes it easier to wait on God himself? It's having the spirit of God living in us. (laughs) So we're waiting with the one we're actually waiting on. He's actually living in us. Patience, how we act while we wait. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against all those things, there's no law, or no, there's no limit. And we don't want there to be a limit, right? We don't want there to be a limit to those things. We would like those to be limitless in our lives. We would like those to be without reservation. Much like we said, how many would just, we'd love some more power, ability, or love, the ability to live loved and actually then love other people with clarity of thinking. How many of us would like that? Oh, yeah, that's evil. How many of us would like those qualities, that fruit of the Holy Spirit living in us? How many of us would just say, yeah, man, I could, I could absolutely lose, use some more love and some more joy and some more peace and some more patience and, and if you think you're good on all of those, ask the person sitting next to you. They probably disagree on at least one. Right? Maybe, right? No, I mean, not, don't ask now. That would be awkward. But. And here's the thing. You see, there's this little trap we fall into that says this. I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm gonna, what I'm going to do when I follow Jesus, I'm going to take Jesus and I'm going to set him over here And I'm going to give him a nod because, man, he's gracious and he's forgiving and he gave up his life for me. And I've got him and he's over here and he's on my shelf. And and I'm going to go prove to him how much I love him. I'm going to go go put my head down. I'm going to prove to him that I'm worth it. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to prove to myself that I'm worth it. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to prove to myself that I can do it. I can live like Jesus. Oh, I can be loving. You watch me. And if you get in my way, then get out of I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to develop, I'm going to become the most joyful person, even if I have to kill you to do it. Right? And we package our words and we wrap some things up and we clean it up and we polish it up and we think that's the goal. And so when it doesn't work, we just fake it. It's like, well, that's what I'm supposed to be doing as a Jesus follower. Like, it's supposed to work somehow. It's supposed to work. So I'll be, I'll be more joyful and I'll be more peaceful and I'll act more patient until I get with the people that are safest to me and then they'll experience a completely different side. And it's not really how I want to do it, but I haven't really figured out another way. Listen, what, what Jesus is saying and giving us the Spirit is it's, there's not another way, there's another person. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. It's not nine steps to go learn. It's one person to receive. 
it, it's not a sequence of steps to go memorize. It's a person to live empowered by. And maybe, maybe you think Jesus is like, maybe you think Jesus is boring, irrelevant, out of touch, a list of rules with no context. Fair enough. The Holy Spirit's the person who actually changes all that and invites the adventure and builds the courage and does the supernatural. And is the supernatural actually alive in us and does the transforming work of Jesus in us? Maybe you're just tired of trying to figure it out on your own. You're, you're, you're kind of tired of wanting Jesus to be more than an accessory we added, but, but not really having the willpower to manufacture all the change we think we're supposed to have. The Holy Spirit's the gift that says you don't have to manufacture that on your own. I'm going to lead the transformation. I'm the Spirit of God in you. I'll lead that. I'll lead that. Please, you don't have to feel that way. I'll lead that. Which leaves us with this, with this question of would you be thirsty? Would you be thirsty? Would you be thirsty for the person of the Holy Spirit? Would you be thirsty to experience and to drink in the person of the Holy Spirit? Um, Let me read to you. This isn't going to be on the screen. I just want you to kind of absorb this. I want to read you some words of Jesus before the conversations we read earlier. It's, It's a little bit earlier, and the disciples really didn't get it yet, and Jesus is just trying to, like, let them in. He's, like, in bite-sized moments, he's letting them in and spirit they're going to get to live with. In John chapter 7, he says this, let anyone, listen, anyone, anyone, no disqualifiers, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and just drink deeply. Let anybody who's thirsty come to me. Let anybody who's thirsty for more power and ability and love and clarity, for more love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control, let anybody who's thirsty to experience those kind of things. Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as as the scripture have said, then listen, rivers of living, refreshing, replenishing, transforming, healing water. Rivers of living water will flow from within them, not to them from someplace else, from within them. And then I just love this phrase, John, just making it clear for us. He said this, by this, he meant the Spirit, he meant the Spirit. The living water within, oh, by, Jesus, he's talking about the Holy Spirit there. He's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. So the question is, would you be thirsty? Would you want that kind of person? Would you want that kind of help? Would you want that kind of strength? Would you want that kind of power and love and, and, and joy? Would you be thirsty? Now, now here's the thing. Let me be real honest. I'm, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you what to do if the answer is yes until next week, okay? 
Because I think we just need to sit in it a little bit. I think we need to make some decisions. Do we actually really want that? Or are we good just kind of manufacturing on our own, loving as much as we think we can love on our own and having some intermittent joy that kind of changes with the wind and the circumstances and kind of being short on, apolo- uh, on ability to live out this life with Jesus? And are we good at just kind of being afraid at whatever comes our way and living with our fear as our identity? Are we, just, are we good with that? I think that we got to wrestle honestly with that. Are we good with that? Or would we actually thirst and crave the person the person of the Holy Spirit who is greater, stronger, mightier than all of that. Lord Jesus, um, we're just going to sit in this with you for this week. We're just going to wrestle with this question, are we really thirsty? Uh, you, you already know we all are, whether we're willing to acknowledge it or not or whether we're ready to acknowledge it or not. I'm grateful you're patient with us. But I'm just asking on behalf of all of us that where we can't yet quite identify the thirst, we invite you to, we invite you to prompt that thirst. We invite you to stir that thirst. We invite you to help us identify that thirst. Holy Spirit, there's nobody like you. There's nobody, there's nobody as able as you are to bring completeness and wholeness and strength and perfection of love to us. There's no, you are the gift of Jesus to us. So would even you help us just thirst for you? Help us sit in it well this week and really wrestle with how badly would we want to experience the fullness of you? We trust you to lead and guide our hearts in it. We trust you to give us that clarity you promise. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the thing. Next week, 